0: Palo Alto Networks has the broadest, most comprehensive cybersecurity for private cloud, public cloud, and SaaS environments because secure clouds are happy clouds. Protect yours today at go.paloaltonetworks.com slash secure clouds. A patent decision on CRISPR gene editing favors MIT by Adam Rogers and Eric Nielner. The fight over who owns the most promising technique for editing genes, cutting and pasting the stuff of life to cure disease and advance scientific knowledge, has been a rough one. A team on the West Coast at UC Berkeley filed patents on the method CRISPR-Cas9. A team on the East Coast, based at MIT and the Broad Institute, filed their own patents in 2014, after Berkeley's, but got them granted first. The Berkeley group contended that this constituted interference, and that Berkeley deserved the patent. At stake, millions, maybe billions of dollars in biotech money and licensing fees, the future of medicine, even the future of bioscience. Not nothing. Who will benefit depends on who owns the patents. On Wednesday, the U.S. Patent Trial and Appeal Board kind of, sort of, almost began to answer the question, Berkeley will get the patent for using the system called CRISPR-Cas9 in any living cell, from bacteria to blue whales. Broad MIT gets the patent in eukaryotic cells, which is to say, plants and animals. That's, um, confusing? The patent that the Broad received is for the use of CRISPR gene editing technology in eukaryotic cells. The patent for the University of California... Is for all cells, says Jennifer Doudna, the U.S. geneticist and co-founder of Caribou Biosciences, who co-invented CRISPR. This on a conference call. Her metaphor, they have a patent on green tennis balls and we have a patent for all tennis balls. Observers didn't quite buy that topspin. If Caribou is playing tennis, it's looking like broad MIT is Serena Williams. UC doesn't necessarily lose everything, but they're no doubt spinning the story, says Robert Cook-Deegan, an expert in genetic policy at Arizona State University's School for the Future of Innovation in Society. UC's claims to eukaryotic uses of CRISPR-Cas9 will not be granted in the form they sought, and that's a big deal. UC was the big loser. UC officials said Wednesday that they're studying the 51-page decision and considering whether to appeal. That leaves members of the biotechnology sector wondering who they will have to pay to use CRISPR as part of a business, and scientists hoping the outcome won't somehow keep them from continuing their research. Someone is going to make a lot of money licensing CRISPR, and someone is going to make a lot of money on therapies based on CRISPR. That's why, the day before the decision, the National Academy of Sciences released a long document laying out what kind of CRISPR-based human therapies were kosher, so no one goes the full Gattaca. In fact, the money-making part has already begun. Startups are getting funding based on CRISPR-based business plans. Editus Medicine, which licenses the broad patents to work on treatments for genetic disorders in human beings, had a 30% stock bump on word of the patent decision. It certainly has caused some concerns, because depending on how the courts are going to rule on the two claims, if you went with one, you could lose, right? Says Edison Liu, CEO of the Jackson Laboratory, a major source of genetically modified mice used in research. Jackson Labs has licenses from both sides, and since it aims at academic uses, it gets better terms than a Silicon Valley biotech startup might. But not everyone can make multiple deals. It's a bit frustrating that the patent office has done it this way, says Eric Rhodes, CEO of ERS Genomics, which licenses UC's CRISPR technology to other companies for non-human therapeutic uses. A lot of people were hoping they'd make a decision to just go with one group or another. Commercial outfits hoping to make new therapies will for now have to pay both institutions big fees. ERS Genomics, for example, charges from $10,000 to small startups to a million dollars to large pharmaceutical firms. And an attenuated patent dispute could mean more red tape and lawyers on retainer for the biotech scientists. On the plus side, the patent fight doesn't look likely to slow basic research or even research with an eye toward commercialization. Neither UC nor Broad will charge academic scientists who want to use CRISPR just to better understand plant diseases, let's say. I don't think it's going to slow down therapeutic development, says Rhodes. The same goes for people trying to use animal models like mice, and that's good, because the models and the technique are ubiquitous. If you're creating a mouse model, you just have to use this. It's a little bit like once internal combustion with a carbon source came out, nobody was spending a lot of money on the steam engine, you know, says Liu. The final outcome of this patent fight may be years away, especially if Berkeley appeals the decision. It's one battle in a larger war, says Jason Sherko, a bioscience patent law expert at New York Law School. But it's a very big and important battle. That's because if a biotech company develops a mega hit drug or treatment using CRISPR, it might now have to pay the broad megabucks in fees. There will be paperwork and cross-licensing that'll have to be worked out before drugs are commercialized, says Rhodes. Hopefully, some of this patent situation will work itself out before then. Broad MIT might even go Hollywood here, taking a small upfront fee in return for points off the gross revenue down the road. It does paint a dark and foggy picture for any of the companies that receive licenses that originally came from Berkeley, says Sherko. And here's where things get a little sketchy, even for the most basic of basic researchers, because you never know exactly what you're going to come up with. If you're contemplating creating something that will be marketed in any way, Liu says, then it's actually the commercial end of it, the sale of the product, that will probably require a license. This isn't the first time universities and companies have fought over a lucrative invention that could further scientific research. Harvard fought for years for the rights to the cancer-prone genetically engineered Oncomouse. Until the U.S. Supreme Court took them away in 2013, Myriad Genetics held the rights to genes for breast cancer. And in 1980, researchers at UC, San Francisco and Stanford figured out how to make recombinant DNA in bacteria and patented it. In that last case, university licensing offices negotiated ways to let people use the technology to do science and create businesses. But for the, t- the time for that kind of sensible negotiation seems to have passed with CRISPR. It's the only thing all parties really agree on. Too much is at stake. How did you like that last episode? Is there anything we can do to make it better? I'm Raul, and I'm part of the team that brings this Spoken Edition to you. Help us improve it by sending me your feedback via email to Raoul at spokenedition.com. Your opinion is very important to us.